Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home Internet. Cox is the real home Internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash Internet for details. He's the founder and managing director of the Phil Foden fan club. <laughs> He's got the sharpest lineup, shape up that you've ever seen on TV. There you go. Some some fan, you know, when you read in the uh, DMs or, or whatnot, some fan said, Smith, don't let what people, these negative people, have got to say about you affect you because you've had an unbelievable career and you're an unbelievable person. So like, that, that's the only reason why I went into punditry. When I had like backlash from my own community, that, that hurt. That, that hurt more than anything, that. that. That hurt because like, if you knew what I stood for and what I've been doing, you wouldn't be saying that. Any any clip can be changed and, you know, the content can be changed and narrative can be changed to suit what, what they fit. Like, I got coconut, I got, Uncle Tom, all the, all these, me as well, you know, me. I'm the first time I was in the sky, I was with Roy Keep and I, and then like, it was that moment when I said, I burst onto the scene. And he said like, I didn't burst onto the scene. <laughs> <laughs> I started like, you know, you'll be some of the favorite in the Premier League, this, that, and it. Come on. And then, and then, and then he sort of like, ooh, it's got a bit about it, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know what I was? I was buying into to the hype. You know, like we talk about the negative. Mm. The, 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 the negative, I was buying into the positive. When I was getting eight out of 10, I look, I look at the paper, oh. Richard, I'll, 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 I'll again. <laughs> Hello listeners and welcome back to yet again another episode of the Beautiful Game podcast. As ever, I'm your host Budge, joined by my faithful two co-conspirators Dot and Dead Gents. How are we feeling, man? I'm good, man. I'm, I'm so gassed with this. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. How about you, Dead? Bro, I'm pumped. Like, this guest that we've got on growing up, this was my guy. Obviously, being a <laughs> left back, those marauding runs, the lead, yeah, everything, man. On. So it's going to be a pleasure, man, to chop it up. 
A hundred percent. We are in very, very, very good company with a very well-esteemed guest. You will have seen him all over your TV screens <laughs> on Sky Sports. This is a man who is a Premier League legend. He won the Premier League, the FA Cup, and the Carabao Cup as well. He was the youngest ever City first team captain and also the youngest ever defender to represent England on an international stage. He's the founder and managing director of the Phil Foden fan club. <laughs> He's got the sharpest lineup, shape up that you've ever seen on TV. There you go, sporting, sporting the, the fade there. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, we welcome Micah Richards to the platform. Welcome, Micah. Welcome, 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 welcome. welcome, welcome. <laughs> Why you gassing me up like that, you know? You know what I mean? That's to give you your Achilles. You actually done a mm. mad thing when we look back at your career, though. Yeah, bro. I'm telling you, man, you were like my idol. One of my idols look growing up. Because of that fullback position, man, you just had it on lock. Them runs, you know, the intensity you played at. Yeah, man, you had a great career. And it's a pleasure to welcome you onto our platform. It's a pleasure to be here, man. Obviously, supporting you guys. I've seen you do your thing, so you know, it's a pleasure to be here, man. No, no, yeah, man. We have to big up Studge as well because he helped sorting this out as well. I know he gave you a nudge. We've been sending some emails to your team, and I know Studge put in that word, man. So, big up Studge. Big up Studge every day. Yeah, so like, you know, we want to get into it. We've been obviously speaking to your team. You've got an exclusive documentary coming out which hasn't aired, and obviously we got a sneak peek of that. Mm -hmm. um, so if you could just talk to us about that documentary mm -hmm. and what you hope to achieve by producing it. Yeah, uh, documentary coming out on, it's going to be on Sky Documentary, it's coming out on the, 20, uh, the 25th of this month, so tune into that. Um, what I'm looking to achieve, you know what, the, the, the whole racism thing, it's just, it, it's rife at the moment isn't it? And, but it, it starts from like, lower, it doesn't matter what job you're at, it, 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 you know, people think, oh, because you're a footballer, you might get treated a certain way. I can go in certain places and get treated like a king because I play football, you know what I mean? But there's also a, a dark side to it, do you know what I mean? But I didn't want to just focus solely on, on just football life. It was more racism within football, of course, but it's different jobs within football. And I wanted to uh, interview various different people from, from women to older people to different generations to see how it affects them. And I just, I don't want to blame anyone for this whole racism thing because, you know, racism started a long, a long time ago and a lot of people now are just a product of, of what happened, you know, which they have no control over. Do you know what I mean? But what I want to change is just the way people think. Instead of you know, someone being racist and I just told him a racist. I don't think that's going to change anything. I want to show him in a different light to say, look, can, have you looked at it from, from this angle? Because all up to now, probably, you know, there's, there's four black guys here uh, uh, on this pod. Come on. You've Come all, on. You, we've, all got, we've all got white friends. And mm -hmm. a lot of your white friends may not have appreciated it was so prevalent in today's society. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Until started seeing the whole George Floyd thing and then it's like wow this yeah. really goes on you know what I mean mm. and a lot of people say well oh that's in America but I'm saying 
yeah, it is. It, it is more ripe in America, but here is it's still here, but it's a little bit more subtle. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, and I just, I just wanted to to highlight what the everyday struggles of you know being black comes with. You know what I mean? Um, and yeah, I, I hope I hope you enjoy it. I hope I really, I feel like I've I've exploited all the areas for everyone to look at. Well, oh, that, that I can I can relate to this situation. Or I can relate to that mm. situation. Um, and like I said, it's not about blaming anyone. It's just about showing it from different opinions. And what would you say was your most, you know, interesting takeaway from that documentary? Because obviously you spoke to, you know, Darren Lewis, who's in the media world, and you've, you know, now introduced yourself into the media world, and you've also spoken to Gary Neville in that documentary. So what would you say was the most interesting part of that documentary, in your opinion? I, I think the most interesting one was a, was a Gary Neville one just because he obviously is is a white is a white male and he's been uh, his experience where you know the the whole thing with Raheem Sterling and he didn't know how to act in that time and the stuff with Ashley Cole as well where he he didn't turn a blind eye but because he didn't know what to say but now he's using his his voice for positive, you know what I mean? There's no one who speaks highly, white person, about this than, than Gary Neville. So, and I think when you're speaking about racism, it holds more weight coming from a white person, you know what I mean? Uh, you, know, you know what it's like, oh, mm -hmm. when someone's talking about racism, it, it makes you feel good right in, right in there as well, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. I, I, he understands or yeah, yeah. He, might not, he might not understand, but he's trying to understand. So, I feel like the, the Gary Neville interview had the, the most impact. And I think Sky are doing a great job. And you know, like one of the big moments throughout this period for me was on Sky when, you know, the Burnley, they flew over the flag and Graham Souness was in the studio saying, you know what, almost making like a plea for help. Like, you know, I might have been complicit in this sort of behaviour, you know, in boardrooms at the top, racist language might be used. And I thought, you know, that's powerful for a 60, 70 year old to be from that generation to want help and to want education. That was big for me, man. Yeah, yeah that, that was massive. And I think like it's been that gray area, hasn't it? Where no one really wants to talk about racism. You know, like mm. the white people, even like, like I've said certain things in the past and like, like I've been bashed by my own black community for not saying exactly what they want to hear. Do you know what I mean? But mm -hmm. I don't want I don't want to take sides. Obviously, I'm black. I'm I'm from the area. I'm, I'm you know I'm from I'm from Leeds, from Chapel Town, where I've been racially abused from a black police officer. But like I want to look at the bigger picture. I don't just want to call someone a racist and that's it. Mm -hmm. I want to I want to find out why they're being racist and how I can improve that. So when you're talking about Graham Souness, the effect that it had on him, to him to actually think actually. Like, yeah, you're right. You know what I mean? And it's like making yeah. people think and think, well, actually, I've been in that situation, but what am I going to do next to make sure we can push this whole uh, movement and conversation forward? Mm. No, 100%. You know what, Mike? I'm still staying on the topic of race. I want to speak about social media specifically. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, I remember, I think it was back in two, 2012, um, for a period of time, you came off Twitter um, because of the fact that, you know, you were racially abused online and so on and so forth. And so eight years on, um, 
do you feel that there's been much that's changed within the space of social media and, and Twitter specifically? No, I, I think it's got worse. If I'm being totally honest, I think when I come off Twitter, like I was just like, I'm I'm a happy person, you know me. I'm always smiling yeah. and joking. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm, and I'm going on to Twitter and I'm just like wanting to fight people all the time. Like, <laughs> like but you like, you, you, you want him to like argue with someone who's, who's got no following and you're just giving him your time and, and effort when they're just looking for a reaction. You know what I mean? So I'm like, yeah. what's the, what, what is the actual point? So I, I came on off Twitter, but now I don't mind good or bad because I've learned to be able to deal with it. You know what I mean? But, I think now, especially with the whole like George Floyd thing and you know the whole Donald Trump thing where like certain things are like, well, well, I'm not I'm not, I'm not even accusing Donald Trump of being racist, but there's certain things that he could have said in a different way and people are taking it, you know, taking it and changing the context a little bit. And it's just giving these people confidence to come on social media and say what they want. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. like these these platforms they're not doing nothing about it not that well i don't think they care enough you know what i mean i i, mm. I generally don't believe that they care enough and that and that is the problem and it's not just about black people it's about like the young the young the young people coming through you know what i mean you're like mm-hmm. suicide rate imagine like i can take it now i can take it i can take it no matter what because i'm thick skinned now but i'm old, i'm older now but imagine mm. a young you know 10 11 12 year old going on twitter getting this abuse it's wrong, you know what I mean? And I don't do enough on the platforms. Uh, and I do, I think it's wrong. And I think you've got to be careful when you go on, on them because, like I said, it could, it could spoil your day. You could turn that this smile into a frown, man. <laughs> and you spoke about that on your documentary as well. Um, you spoke to a lady from Facebook and they offer like a five strikes, then you're out sort of policy. And, and that's not good enough. It's nonsense. It's nonsense. It is, it's really like... And that's what I mean. So you can racially abuse someone once or twice, and then actually the third time will take. So what do you mean? Crazy. So yeah. it's just it's just absolutely crazy. <laughs> and that's why that's why I genuinely don't care. They do not care, and I, and I stand by that. You know, and they try you know to tick these boxes, and they've got so many different roles and this, that, and the other. You know, when I was speaking to them, I was like all different people on the calls. I'm like, hold on. Let me speak to the person who's making control of this. No, don't, don't pass me on to this section of this or the, you know, head of this and the, uh, you know. I'm just like, this is pathetic, you know what I mean? It, mm. And it's sad, it's, it's sad to see. Um, but, you know, it's what we have to deal with. And that's why, you know, I'm part of, you know, trying to move things forward. And when you got a voice, when you're working for, for Sky and, and BBC and CBS, some of the biggest networks in, in, in the world, then you've got to use your, your voice to, to the advantage. And definitely, speaking of your voice, do you feel like you're almost under pressure because you're carrying that burden as a black man to be the voice of the wider public? So, for example, we saw the scenes, you know, the PSG um, game yeah. where the players walked off the pitch and yeah. obviously yeah. you had um, a clip that went out viral on the internet and obviously there was a bit of a backlash by some sections of the community mm. saying that oh michael should just condemn that straight away blah blah yeah. blah so do you feel like you're under pressure when it comes to these situations listen i'm under mad pressure <laughs> Let, let's get it let's keep it's it mad. let's keep it 100 the pressure like i don't get pressured by like any foot soon as the, the 
the race topic comes up, I'm just under crazy pressure. In in fact, because like I, I'm from, like I said, the area I'm, I'm, I've grown up. If someone's racist, I just want to fight them. Do you know what I mean? So oh, I'm, I'm, I'm big. I'm, 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 I'm big. I'm bigger than that now. I have to be more professional than that. But what I was in that clip, maybe the words I used wasn't right. But what I was trying to say is like there wasn't enough evidence for me to just. I've been I've been talking like this whole racism thing. I've been talking about this. Look at my interviews from 10, 10 15 years ago. I've been talking about it since, since then, you know what I mean? And now because it's like, it's cool to talk about it, everyone wants to jump on the bandwagon. When I've been, been talking about this, so when I had like backlash from my own community, that, that hurt. That, that hurt more than anything that, that, that hurt because like, if you knew what I stood for and what I've been doing, you wouldn't be saying that. Any, any clip can be changed and you know, the, the content can be changed and narrative can be changed to suit what, what they fit. Like I got coconut, I got Uncle Tom, all the all these me as well, you know me. I'm Come like, on. <laughs> Come on. I'm like, please, like I just do a little bit of homework. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Um and really I should have condemned it straight away, but I, I maybe give uh, too much of an opportunity to the other side to then think it was okay. Do you know what I mean? But what I was trying to say was like that moment, it was total ignorance ignorance which being stemmed down from racism but all i was trying to say is like we like have been so long have been uh, fighting to be called black you know what i mean mm. so if someone says the black guy over there i wouldn't take that personally but i could understand why the black community would take that personally do you know what i mean yeah mm. so and i just didn't get my words out at the right so when you talk about pressure yeah it is look talking about racism easy because i know right from wrong you know what i mean but it's difficult every time to talk about the racism issue because once you know it's like once you talk about race oh here we go it's preaching again and i i want people to actually listen to what i'm saying saying you want to open right? up the conversation basically it, it, exactly mm. is what i want to do i don't just want to call racist 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 and that's it i want to understand why he's being racist and what can we do to try change his mind or, or their mind and that and that was sort of yeah it was it was tough but i understand i you know, because you notice what, you know, when, you, when you're on air and stuff like that, and you get all these, some haters are saying, oh, what's Micron doing there with, with Roy and Sunis and all them, like, um, these big legends of the game, like, try, almost trying to play you down. Mm. But then mm. when you don't say something they want to hear, or he's got that massive platform and he's not yeah. using it, so which, so which one is it? You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> tell, tell, tell me which one it is. You know what yeah. I mean? I'm rather got the biggest platform or not. I'm, you know what I mean? So... I understand, and, and what I need to understand now as well, like, um, like as much as I don't think I'm representing, you know, all the black, I, I actually am. Do you know what I mean? Because of waiting, the waiting. So I, you know, I'm growing, and I, not everything I can say, everyone's gonna agree with because that that's what punditry is. You know what I mean? It's about opinions. Um, but I definitely know now, on certain situations, that if I'm not a hundred percent sure of what I've seen, I'm just not going to say anything until I've got that, you know, that hard evidence that I need, you know what I mean? And mm. that's what, that's, that's been a learning curve for me as well, for sure. Mm, and sometimes it's okay to say, I don't know, or I need more yeah. information. 
Yes, yeah. Yeah, Michael, yeah. moving it on, obviously you've become one of the hottest pundits, you know, oh, 2020, <laughs> you burst onto the scene, you burst onto the scene in punditry, you know, your great energy, your insight. Like, how has that been? You know, because as a footballer, you burst onto the scene, you play games of punditry, you sort of, you know, took a bit of a hiatus, and now, like, you're in front of everyone's face. You know, how has that been? You know, it's been, it's been crazy. It's a bit been like my, my football career where everything I just come in at 17, it all happened a little bit, a little bit quick, really. And, you know, like, I'm, I'm, I say I'm not scared, but I'm, I'm weary because the way my career ended, it was so high that it ended, it crashed down. It was so low, like, lowest than a low. So when we talk about going into punditry, I actually didn't want to do anything to do with media. I swear, this is the honest truth. So then, um, like, my time at Villa was, was horrible. I didn't want to be nowhere near social media. Just wanted to retire and just relax and enjoy my life. But some, some fan, you know when you read in your DMs or, or whatnot, some fan said, don't let what people, these negative people have got to say about you affect you because you've had an unbelievable career and you're an unbelievable person. So, like, that, that's the only reason why I went into punditry, because of this one little... So, when people say, oh, like, when people say you think it doesn't affect you, of course it affects you. We're human beings. I'm not, I'm not a human being. I'm a human... You know what I mean? This is normal. So, it was that, it was that one message to realize, like, you know what? Like, I'm still in, inspiring some people. I know it didn't end the way I wanted to, but people out there still got love for me. So, then BBC asked me to do some things. So I was doing radio, then I started doing a little bit more. And then they asked me to go on a Sky game. And then the first, I think the first time I was in the Sky game, I was with Roy Keane, wasn't I? And then like, it was that moment when I said, I burst onto the scene. And he said like, I burst onto the scene. <laughs> <laughs> I started like, you know, looking at some of the paper in the Premier League, this, that, and, Come on. And, then, and then. And then he sort of like, ooh. It's got a bit about him, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so that's where the relationship came for. And then I thought, well, if I can sort of hold my own against these, these, let's be, be honest, these are icons. These are like, we were talking about, these are top of the, top of the tree. You don't get yeah. to do this normally. There's certain people who go on with them, boy, and, and they, just, they just can't grasp how they need to be. Do you know what I mean? It becomes mm -hmm. more of an argument rather than engaging. So yeah. after that, he was like super cool with me, Roy Keane. And then now I was just like, that just gave me the confidence to, to go on and say, you know what? There's a bit of love out there, you know what I mean? And because I love football, so watching games, I watch every single game anyway, do you know what I mean? So it wasn't, this is not like work for me. This is just like the best possible job I could do. And I know you're going to get positives and negatives on social media, but I've trained myself how to deal with that more now and I just honestly I just I love every minute of it I really do I really do man you know what I wanted to ask you Micah is mm -hmm. have you always had an interest in journalism or creative writing and whatnot because even during your playing career I think it might have been back in like 2007 mm -hmm. you, like, you that's when you started having a column for, for BBC right so I mean at that time was it just something to do on the side because it was something that you enjoyed or were you at that point already thinking long term you know, when I do eventually hang up my boots, I want to get into something different in within this realm. 
Yeah, I, I always wanted to do something on the side, but I think, you know, to see the stuff that I do, it, it's quite positive because, you know, like footballers, it, although like the scene is like gods and you want to be a footballer and all that sort of thing, it's sort of like they always get seen in a negative light, if you know what I mean. So mm-hmm. I, what me coming into the game and even back then when I was doing my column, I wanted to be like more positive, you know what I mean? Because it's yeah. like when someone's doing well for themselves, in like the first thing you know, oh, oh, how is he earned that? Or what's he got? Or what's he? You know what I mean? That's the first. That's just like natural. The way we're yeah. like since stolen us from young. Like, um, so I I always wanted to do some after football, but I wasn't quite sure if I wanted to do punditry. Obviously, I'm a, I'm a Man City ambassador as well, and I, I wanted to sort of um, look after young players because like I had so much so young. And I made so many mistakes. So all these mistakes that people have, you always see me defending them because I've made all these mistakes as well. All of them. Every mistake you can make. And I'm still making mistakes now, but you can't be punished by every mistake you make. You know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, like, I'm trying to like, bridge that gap between like, footballers being held up here and like, but at the end of the day, they're still humans. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and that's what I want to try like merge together. I don't know if you see John Stones um, mm. yesterday we scored mm. and he even was talking about me, you know, like he was bigging me up on Sky because of the conversation. It's not about, it's not about uh, about me or anything. I'm, I'm just letting him know like, you're an unbelievable player. You just need to believe that. And I mm. think sometimes when things are not going right in your career, you just focus on the negatives instead of the positives. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, in terms of the, the column and, and that sort of, I always just wanted to, to help people. That was my goal at the end. Which direction it went through, I wasn't quite sure. So, Michael, obviously, you're walking into the sky doors. And obviously, there's Roy Keane there, there's Jamie Carragher, there's Gary Neville, there's, you know, Jamie Redknapp. Are you thinking, I need to bring a madness to this mix? Or are you just <laughs> thinking, let me just go in and be myself? I'm just thinking, you know what? I'm I'm always about the banter. You just think anyone in in, in in the dressing room, I'm always I'm always messing up. When it's time to work, I work, but I'm just always about the banter, you know what I mean? So when when you got them guys who there got medals upon medals upon medals, I can't I can't compete with that. But but I can make you feel uncomfortable on camera, you know what I mean? Look at the size. <laughs> you know what I mean? You gotta, you gotta like stand over them and you know smile at a wink at them. All them. I just I like to I like to make people feel a little bit uncomfortable, you know what I mean? Because I can't go there and put medals on the table because you just look stupid, you know what I mean? But like I've always like if you look through my, my career with City uh, TV with all their their clips and all that, that's that's been me from 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 ages, I've always loved this side of things. So when I when I go on there, I'm always like, "What can I bring that's going to be different?" Do you know what I mean? Because there's so many pundits out there who don't get to do what they need to do because they're just the same. But someone mm. they're just mm. the same with each other. But then someone's won more trophies, so they're always going to pick the one who's got more trophies if they're the same ability. So like the way I'm doing punditry, like it's just. I'm knowledgeable about the game because I watch game religiously, but I just try to bring a little bit of smile and a little bit of a character. Mm. It might not last forever, you know what I mean? Mm. It, you know, it, you know, you can't be laughing and joking every. But at the time, at the start, you need to bring. As I feel you need to bring a little bit different. So yeah, when I when I go into the, the studio with them guys, I just I just love it. I just I, I just love it. I really do. Mm. 
as you said, Michael, football is the entertainment business as well. Like this is a next generation mm. and I think you're the face of that. It's not, you know, all about facts and stuff. You need to be able to vibe and interact yeah. and stir up a debate, which is what you do. Is there people that you look at and think, wow, this is the bar? Or you're sort of thinking, you know what? I'm creating my own lane. I think the, there's so many good pundits out there. So I think Gary Neville is, is top-notch. I think the relationship between him and Carragher is just sensational. People could watch that all, all day. Then, like, Ian Wright. Ian Wright is just next, next, he's just next level. And he's Ian Wright, you know what I mean? So when he's talking, you yeah. listen, you know what I mean? He's just one of them, one of them people. Um, you know who's a really good pundit? Jermaine, Jermaine, because he, he's not one as much as others, he doesn't get the, the, the recognition he deserves, but he, he actually watch him analysing football and stuff. Danny Murphy the same. But in terms of pundits, like, I don't want to be like any of them. I want to be as knowledgeable in terms of being able to break down game because that's experience that comes with time and different things and not different tools. I've been doing it for years, but I want to be doing, I want to be doing my own thing. You know what I mean? I can't replicate what they're like. Ian Wright, I can never replicate because he's a legend of the game. He's, he, he's you know what I mean? He's a striker. Mm. Everyone knows Ian Wright. Like, no disrespect to me at times, unless you're a football fan, like, you might even not know who, who, who I was 18 months ago. You know what I mean? Mm. So I feel like I've got to bring something different to then be able to get to, to, to them levels that, you know, the, the, the top pundits out, out there at this moment in time. But who, who I look to, I look up to all of them. But what I do is try to take a little bit from everything mm. and make and make my own. You know what I mean? Mm. I don't, I don't see or I want to be that because, like, I, I always have that originality. You know yeah. that you know, authenticity, more, oh, authenticity. Yeah, authenticity, exactly. And mm. like, I, I really believe if I work hard at it, then you know, hopefully, I've got a, a long time in 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 this industry because yeah, I love football, man. I do. Mm. Do you know what, Mike? I wanted to ask, outside of the Sky's uh, Sports Studio, um, have you done any kind of, like, media training or anything, like, outside of the public view to build yourself up and help, like, hone your skills so that you're primed and ready for this role, right? And the reason why I ask is because I always, whenever I, I listen to pundits on Monday Night Football or, or analysing a game, right, no one ever um, says um, or no one ever seems <laughs> like they don't know what they're saying. It's like, it's, it's so, it's just continuous. Like, no one has a hiccup or no one, do you know what I mean? So I, I'm, I'm trying to understand, like, is that, is that through media training or, like, have you got to work at that? Have you got to practice that? Like, what, what, what have you done? So I didn't have no media training, but they, they prefer you to be like that to start with. You know what I mean? They, they, mm. they, they want you to go out there and see what you can do. And then they'll give you like little tweets. So I had uh, one training session with a guy. Just It was more about like how to sit up, that sort of thing. You know, diff different mm. audiences. So like when you're on BBC... It might not just be football fans. It might be an older lady or a younger kid. You know what I mean? Because everyone's mm. got BBC. So certain words, you're better off using on that. But then Sky, it's all like football fans, football fans. So you can be called people by nicknames and all that sort of thing. 
Yeah. Um, and then you have like maybe one or two just reviews every single like every season to see what you can improve, and you can have more if you want to. Um, but no, I I don't really. I just prefer when you know it's like you guys now. You guys know what you're talking about, so you don't you don't you don't you don't start. You could talk about football all day, couldn't you? So you're not oh. gonna be stuttering. You're not gonna be stuttering. Yeah, are you? yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's only it's only it's only when the camera's on that's when people get nervous. That's when you start. Mm. Oh, oh, what shall I do here? But when you, when you love football and and football's all your life, look. We could have so many different opinions about different things, but it's our opinion. You know what I mean? And no one yeah. can take that away from us. And I think what I like about what you guys are doing and all these other people are doing podcasts, it's like, well, you guys have actually got an opinion, but 10 years ago, you would never have an opinion. Mm. You know what I mean? And that's the way it's changing. You know what I mean? And I, I, that's why like, I look at when you say, can I come on a podcast? I'm like, of course I can come on a podcast. You know what I mean? Come on. I, I, I would love to because it's like, <laughs> You, you guys are the new generation that, like, are changing. Look at Arsenal Fan TV. Unbelievable what they have done. Incredible what they have done, you know what I mean? Like, Robbie and what he's, you know, you know channeled that way he's, he's gone from, from where he was. You know, that's what, that, that's what you guys want to be in, what, five, ten years, you know what mm. I mean? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I just think if you love something enough, then... Yeah, you can have little tweaks and stuff like that, but you already know what you're talking about. You know what I mean? So I don't think there's going to be too many. Uh, you, the only time you hear someone saying "erm" is when, like, you know the lying or you know the thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> you, can just, you, can, you, you can tell. If you look in the eyes, you can tell straight away. But it's football. We all love football. So you've got something mm. to say. You know what I mean? No, mm. no, definitely, Michael. Obviously, you're ex Premier League winner. I'm just gonna say that because you keep telling us on Sky. <laughs> Why is it that, like, in a dressing room, there's footballers that like the media, and then there's footballers that never actually want to talk to the media and want nothing to do with the media? Why do you get two opposite like types of people in a dressing room? It's just like different personalities. Like we had like David Silva, who was like proper chilled. He didn't really like the media. Sergio Aguero used to hate the media. And they're not coming from, don't forget, they're speaking a different language as well. So um, to come out and do interviews in English would be hard as well. And the reason why it's, some people are playing the game with the media, like trying to keep the media on side. But, you know, like if media have said, have written a column about you and, and, and are slagging you off, but not like any, what people don't understand. If, You've had a bad game, and the media want to say, you know, as footballers, we accept that. We, ha- we you know, ex professional, whatever, we accept that. But when they start going personal, talking about into your personal life and digging up things that are totally not football related, then why would you? Why would you want to go do like interviews with the media? You don't want to. You want to keep because sometimes with the media you can give them too much. You know what I mean? Mm. So I think. Like in, in the in the dressing room, especially at, at Villa, because we was doing so bad at the time, like everyone just like don't want to do no media, like absolutely killing killing us in the press. And, and at times it was fully deserved, but it's like anything, you've got characters in the dressing room. Some people love the camera and some people are, are, are camera shy, but I just think it's hard for players to like some media, not all, because some's good, but some of the media, because they're always writing like 
it's not it's not facts it's not factual you know what i mean uh if they'd write more facts then i think they would get a little bit more love yeah michael as dot said you've won the premier league you know, it won the FA Cup. You've won the accolades, man. You've got to beat yourself up. <laughs> you know, scoring the header. You know, you've done a lot of great things in football. Um, but I want to hone in to your time at Manchester City. Obviously, you came on. Manchester City were probably a mid-table club. But you were part of that transition period from, you know, mid-table winners to, like, you know, Premier League title winners. So... How was that change in dynamic? What shift in mentality did you see? And when did you know, you know what, we can potentially be winners? Yeah, it was, it was difficult because I come through the, through the youth at 14. So, like, if I never expected to, like, winning the FA Cup for me was just all I wished to achieve in my career because I missed out on the FA Youth Cup. So then 14, I was there. I was playing for the first team at 17. And when we had the uh, takeover... Uh, but we had two takeovers. We had Shinawatra before. Oh, yeah, yeah. So we, we all thought, like, this was it. We're going to be the next it. But then it didn't, it didn't materialise. So then when Sheikh Monsur came, we're like, oh, is this going to be another one? You know what I mean? Because I, I love City. I've been there for a young Like, come on, please. So then when they uh, realised how much money they've got, but not just how much money, what they wanted to do with the club. I was like, there's, there's no chance I'm leaving here. There's no, honestly, it was the, the plans and, you know, win, win a Premier League. The only thing in the plans that they've not done is win a Champions League. So, I was playing for England at 18 and it was, if I would have been at City now, I would have had, I don't know we talk about my career, but I'm a worst, worst critic. I would have had a way better because I won't say I had too much too soon, but I just, like, because I was one of the best players in the team, I, I didn't stop working hard, but that little bit of hunger to get me to where I was, it, it, it just it wasn't there anymore because I was one of the best players in the team. You know what I mean? Mm. So then my Vice standard, captain as well. Yeah, and mm. my stand, standards started to drop a little bit. But then we started getting good players coming in. When Robinho was the first one, mm. Robinho was mm. the one who changed everyone. We got him from Real Madrid. He used to do some madness in training. Sure, him and Ricky, Daniel Ricky Stone. Martin, yeah? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not, not, not going to lie. Rick, Rick, him and Sturridge on the same team, it wasn't even fair. It was just, honestly, it was madness. Yeah. So then, he was the first one to put like Man City, well, it was serious now. Yeah. The players started coming then next minute he's saying like the David Silver's starting coming, then Tevez is starting yeah, coming. And it's just like, you tell us what I mean. So like <laughs> one minute you're like, uh, like a top 10, well, even not probably top 15 if I'm being realistic, because one of the years we were struggling for relegation at one point. And then to turn that around to be, to be champions. And I've seen all that growth and the planning in, in behind the scenes and all that. It was just like, it was, totally crazy it was like to win the Premier League was just something I never think I would do especially at Manchester City like because I don't forget when I was younger I was rumoured with Chelsea and uh, Man U and even Liverpool when I was younger but I never wanted to leave Man City just because I knew I was always going to have an opportunity there to play especially so young 
So then when these players started coming in, I started sweating, you know, I started like, yo, I'm not gonna replace you, I'm not gonna replace you in the team. Please no. But luckily I managed to, to hold down my place. It's only when then like, I got injured and then Zabaleta coming mm. and just yeah, he just did absolute madness. He, he was dominating the game for a few years, man. Yeah. He was dominating he was, he was dominating the game. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, to, to see that transition from where he was uh to where to where to where Man City are now is just honestly inspirational stuff. And it's not just like people say, Oh, Man City, yeah. Uh, we all got this money, this that, and even but the infrastructure that he's done around the ground, the amount of jobs he's created, opportunities, mm. like it's just been amazing. And so to be a part of that from the start, and then to finish with a Premier League, yeah, I, I couldn't ask for any more. That's why, that's why I'm always happy, man. Got that Premier League. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, you know, Michael. Yeah, I, I want to ask you a question about the, the infrastructure. Yeah, and specifically about Khaldun Al Mubarak. Right, so this guy, whenever I, I hear him talk, I'm I'm literally blown away. In my mind, I'm like, this guy can sell sand to a beach because <laughs> of how how like his gravitas, like the way that he speaks, right? And so take us back to that conversation that that, that you had with him, like back in um I think it was yeah, 2008, when they were talking about the, the 10 year plan, right? You into it obviously but what was so convincing about it why was he so sure that the team were going to win trophies that there were going to be big sponsorships and, and uh, deals and whatnot like what what was it about that 10-year plan for you you know you know when you, you, see, you hear people speak and they're just like he just left blown away you know what i mean he, like you yeah. said he just like so authoritative he knew exactly what it, but it wasn't setting unrealistic goals, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. He was saying like, well, this year, you know, if we get into like top eight, then top six, we get the right events, investment, see where we need to be. Then we go, you know, Champions League, you know. And then once it was Champions League, he was like, we're actually, like, we've come forward a little bit, you know what I mean? We've, come, we've, we've surpassed where we're supposed to go. And then, he was just, you know what he did? He just gave you that belief that he could do it. He used to say, he used to, say to me all the time, like, like who, who's better than you in the league? And I used to say, well, he's got, no, no, no. Who's better than the league? You know, he just gives you that, that confidence. Uh, that mindset. It, the mindset. But it all, it back it up by, he said, well, well, I've got these stats that say, well, you're playing the best in the league at the moment. So what, so what are you worried about? You know what I mean? Mm. But then, um, like, finding the right manager to deal with a lot of egos. Don't forget, money in, in football is big. You know what I mean? So imagine money and then these players who want to play every week and you've got 25-man squad where you've got to try keep everyone happy. Mm. And getting Mancini was a masterstroke because he didn't take nothing from nobody from day one. So when he employed him, it was like, okay, you know, we, we mean business now. Like, this is like, you've had your little fun, but this is what we need to do go, going forward. And he didn't put, pre- you know what he did? He didn't put any pressure. He just more give you the mindset and the belief to, well, this is what we want to invest. These are the players who, who we need. 
And this is a manager who's going to put it together. We already had a good stadium. The stadium, what, 50,000 people. We already had the fan base. Like, Man City's, like, fans in Manchester. Like, the, you know, you get the fans now a little bit disheartened because of the prices of some of the tickets because it's, not like, it's amazing. But, like, go to the old main road. It was, you know, they, when they was in Division 1, they was, they was filling that out in, in Division 1. Do you know what I mean? So, they've always had the fan base, like, sleeping giant. But it was him behind the scenes, like, putting everything together. You know what I mean? These things don't happen all overnight. You know, like, people talk about foundations, but, like, he would religiously work on the plan and where it would need to be. And the only thing in that... He, he actually said at the time, it might be a little bit longer for the, for the championship, but he said the League Cup, the FA Cup, and the Premier League, and, and he did that. And the only one that's missing... Is that Champions League? But Champions League is so hard. It's, you think you know, Pep's gonna do it? It's the holy grail for Manchester City. Like personally, I'm a Liverpool fan. I don't think Pep does it. Do what you know what? It, it's hard. I, I, I still think Bayern on their day are good. Like top top notch, I think Liverpool on their day are still top notch. I think PSG like they just they just they just need something to click for them to win it. You know, like they got to the final, like they just they just need all mm. the players to be fit at the right time, and then Dev can do it. And then I think City's like maybe just behind that bracket, but I still think at the moment to win it, there's them three teams above City at the moment but in the in the, in the Champions League anything can happen you know what I mean you get the right draw a big team goes out and then you never know anyone could beat mm. anyone you know what I mean um, and now it's difficult you know it's different now with, with Covid and whatnot. you've not got the fans have you so it's a little bit different as well like going to the Burner Bar or the, the Camp de Nou you know, it's, 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 it's difficult, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but but there's, there's no fun now, you know, it's, it's a little easier, it's a little easier. <laughs> so obviously, Micah, look, we need to keep it real on this podcast, isn't it? Yeah, keep it real, there, keep it funky. Is there, is there such a thing as a young player of getting too much too soon? Because I'll give you an example, if I'm a young player and I'm making, you know, thousands of pounds a week, I'm going to be getting this sick car. Keeping it real, I'm going to be getting this you know, sick watch. The drip it has to be clean. You get what I'm trying to say? <laughs> <laughs> so, how hard is it as a young player to stay focused on football? Ooh, good question, man. Like, it is, it's too hard. It's too, I, I would say I had too much too young, you know. Because I come through, I was playing, got a good contract. Then my levels just just dropped. Mm. I, I already thought like, and I don't know if it was it was subconscious. I wasn't you know you don't go into training and think oh my I'm gonna play bad today, but you know all the things that like you were doing beforehand to get to that place, you feel like you don't need to do them no more. You know mm. even just like extra stuff at training or you know asking a question. You know like you can never be you, you, you can never be too experienced to learn. You know what I mean. Even if you're vice captain at 18, 19, like you still got so much to learn, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I think that's what happened 
when you get the big contract, I don't, I don't necessarily think it's the money. It's just like, because you've got a big contract, subconsciously you think, oh, I've made it now. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't need to work as hard. But actually, in fact, you need to work harder. And I was, I had Aston Martin when I was, when I was uh, 18. I had a Range Rover. I changed it for RA. So I was, I was, I was living my best life. I was, in, I you know, I was, I was buying into to the hype. You know, like yeah. we talk about the negative, mm. the, 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 the negative. I was buying into the positive. When I was getting eight out of ten, I look, I look at the paper. Oh. Richard, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll stand it again. So you know, you do. You know, you're 20, You know. Big eight out of ten, you know, you, you got it, you got it there. You just, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, it's like it's different for us because, like, you're not bringing it back to the race, but when you're a black person, more time you've come from, you know, yeah. a bad area, more mm, time, mm, you just keep, keep it mm, real. Mm, mm. So, you know, when, when we was growing up, when he was watching MTV bass <laughs> and, and, and them tapes, the first thing you see in music videos and that is, is man in the car, so mm. when you when yeah. you earn a little bit of money and whatnot, you want to be driving nice cars mm. and stuff like that. But I don't think that uh, affected, like, I, I, you know, in terms of too much too young, I just feel like then people can start stereotyping you, you know what I mean? Mm. And you're giving people a reason to talk bad about you. And that's where the problem lies. Because buying, buying nice cars, there's not a problem with buying nice cars. If you can afford mm. it, do it, you know what I mean? But it's then, it's the way you perceive them, you know what I mean? And then mm-hmm. if you don't have a good game, oh, is, is that a good game? But is, I see them outside in his drop-top uh, Aston Martin, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Who, who does he think he is? And then you get a perception. Like, bare times people have said to me, oh, I thought he was an idiot, you know? It's, uh, I'm like, what do you mean? You just like that perception of you, I thought he was blingy, flashy, I thought he was wow. arrogant. But and we saw that in the interview. When you're speaking to Andy Cole, he used to tell you, you know what, Michael, yeah, listen, yeah. slow down a bit. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it when was, you're black, you, know, you get those stereotypes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, that's what I mean. So it's like, and then I, I've tried to, and that's what I've tried to do, like turn it into positive, into, into media like mm. now. It's like, well, I'm not like that. I just, I'm just like, just like you guys, you know what I mean? Like, I just enjoy life, want to work hard. And I, and I want to help people, you know what I mean? Uh, and I'm in a position now where I can help people because of the platforms. I'm so, so why not? But I've got to keep it real as well. So I, I can't go on Sky or BC, oh, he's, he's arrogant or he's big time and all that. Because I've been, I've been through all that, mm. you know what I mean? I've done the partying. I've done all that, the, the madness, you know what I mean? I, I'm so looking. at that. <laughs> I, 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 um, purple bottles in a Lakers game, you know, listen um, it's just like you, you've got to enjoy it as well. I think it's just about getting that that balance right. Is what I would I would and and I can go deep into it because I've been you know from from all the negatives. But I'm a positive person. I like to uplift people. You know what I mean. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know it's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. 
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.